0: As Americans, we love emancipation stories and make heroes out of those who fight for freedom. Harriet Tubman risking her life to save many via the Underground Railroad is one example. Another is Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. His speech changed American history and forever placed the 16th president on the list of great Americans. More than 3,000 years ago, slavery had sucked the life out of the Hebrew people. The only answer to their painful plight was freedom from Pharaoh's bondage, an exodus that brought them out of Egypt, and their only hope was a Redeemer named Moses. Apart from God, we too are slaves to sin. We need emancipation, and our only hope is a Redeemer named Jesus, who is the Christ. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: The book of Genesis is largely about the creation of man and the fall of man, but in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, God gives us a beautiful illustration of the redemption of man. Hello. Welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, the pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian. Thanks for tuning in. Well, 400 years have passed between the end of Genesis and the opening of Exodus. God's chosen people, the Israelites, are enslaved in Egypt, and God sets in motion the events to set them free from their bondage. Ron takes us there next as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now, or you can visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, Exodus, Freedom from Slavery.
0: Well, The Ten Commandments is, uh, as a movie, probably one of the most epic productions ever to come out of Hollywood. It was uh, released in 1956, produced and directed by Cecil B. DeMille. Most of us attach the name Cecil B. DeMille to the movie called The Exodus. Back then, it was one of the first, if not the first movies produced in Technicolor. Uh, the advanced technology and film technology of its day. It was also um, uh, the most expensive production of its era. Probably not much by today's standards, but it was a very expensive movie to make. It was uh, DeMille's last and uh, most successful movie that he ever produced. Uh, Two actors added in their, uh, their star power. Do you remember the lead played by Charlton Heston? He played uh, Moses, and then uh, do you remember who played uh, Pharaoh Ramses? It was a guy named Yule Brenner. I, I mean, there's just nothing more epic than, you know, the Ten Commandments. It still runs on uh, some streaming platforms today. And I use the word epic to describe the movie version of the Hebrew Exodus because the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, is enormously significant. Did I say it was enormously significant? I I don't know if we can even measure uh, how huge and how significant the book of Exodus is in the larger aspect of God's story. Now in the Hebrew language, the word now actually begins the book of Genesis, signifying that it's the continuation of a story, a story that began in, well, the book of Genesis that we looked at last week. And even though it's the continuation of a story, much time has passed between the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus, about 400 plus years. At the end of Genesis, we find Jacob migrating to Egypt. There was a famine, a worldwide famine. There was food in Egypt. And so Jacob and the 70 members of his family make their way to Egypt. Jacob is reunited with his long lost son, Joseph. And uh, that's where we kind of leave it at the end of uh, the book of Genesis. 400-plus years later, we find the Hebrew people still in Egypt. Only now the 70 have grown to, some estimates are, over 2 million people. And that uh, starry sky that the Lord had shown to Abraham that I will, you know, make you the father of many, many descendants, oh, it's starting to populate only now they've become a threat to Pharaoh and the Egyptians and, and, and Pharaoh enslaves them. And, and we come to Exodus and the people of Israel are crying out in pain and suffering. And the Lord God of heaven and earth hears their cry. If Genesis begins with uh, the bang of creative brilliance that is summarized in four words, let there be light, Exodus begins in the whimper of pain and suffering, again summarized in four words, let my people go. And that's where we are at the beginning of the book of Genesis. Now structurally, let me just give you kind of an overview of the large brush strokes in the book of Genesis. It breaks down nicely into three sections. Chapters one to 18, Uh, I would apply the word liberty. It is all about the exodus, their freedom from slavery, I like to say. In chapters 19 through 24, we'll attach the word law, because now it moves from freedom from slavery to, I say, freedom to live right before God. Uh, Chapter 19 brings us to the base of Sinai and uh, the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, and all the ordinances and judgments that follow after that. And then verse, or chapters 25 through 40, um, we have a detailed description of a traveling wor- worship facility known as the Tabernacle. Uh, later turned into a permanent worship facility called the temple. But uh, the tent of meeting or the tabernacle is uh, laid out in chapters 25 and 40. And we go from the freedom, freedom from slavery to freedom to live right before God to freedom to worship God. Uh, The the theme of the book of Exodus, you might guess, is, is all about freedom. And it dovetails beautifully with Jesus Christ who, when he came on the scene, as Messiah. He says, I have come to set the captives free. Uh, Get get absorbed into the historical story here of the Hebrew people who were enslaved to the Egyptians, but don't miss the spiritual application that, that prior to coming to faith in Christ we are enslaved to sin. We have a modern term to describe that, it's called addictions. and We highlight some addictions that are more addictive than others, but all sin enslaves us, but Jesus Christ, who is all over in foreshadows and types and pictures, all over the book of Exodus, came to set the captives free. He hears our cry. He hears our pain and suffering, and the God of heaven is saying, let my people go, and he sends a redeemer uh, called Jesus to do just that. Let's go back and kind of walk through these three broad brushstrokes in the book of Exodus, beginning with this uh, time of of freedom from slavery. Uh, It's a large section, chapters 1 through 18. But more than 3,000 years ago, slavery had sucked the life out of the Hebrew people. And the only answer to their painful plight was freedom from Pharaoh's bondage. Their only hope was a redeemer. And a guy named Moses comes upon the scene. A Hebrew son rescued from the Nile River as a baby and raised in Pharaoh's household as a prince of Egypt. Now Moses was educated in the best Egyptian schools and according to some, he was being groomed to become the next Pharaoh. But at the age of 40, Moses made a terrible mistake. One day he saw an Egyptian mistreating one of the Hebrews, his fellow Hebrews, and Moses struck the man dead. He tried to cover up his mistake uh, by burying his mistake in the sands of the desert, but it was too late. News had gotten out that Moses had murdered somebody, and Moses fled. He he fled to uh, the backside of the Midian Desert, and for the next 40 years of his life, from age 40 to age 80, Moses is in self-exile, herding sheep for his father-in-law in the Midian Desert. And at age 80, Moses hears the voice of God calling out to him from a burning bush. Now take your Bible and turn with me, and let's pick up the story in Exodus chapter three, uh, beginning in verse seven. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Well, Almighty God made his redemption intention clear to Moses there at the burning bush. And he also made clear to Moses that Moses was his choice as leader of the Israeli exodus. But the Moses of age 80 was not the Moses of age 40. Moses at age 40, I mean, this guy had the best of education, the best of training. He was a little bit full of himself. He took matters into his own hands. But 40 years on the backside of the desert will humble anybody. And the Moses at age 80 is lacking in self-confidence. He's reluctant. He he tells the Lord, you know, I've never been eloquent. Come on, Moses, are you kidding me? You had the equivalent of a Harvard education. You you were the cream of the crop being raised up in the Egyptian culture there. But the Lord knows how to prepare his servants, doesn't he? And after uh, expressing his reluctance multiple times, Moses finally gets on board. He returns to Egypt. He confronts Pharaoh with those famous four words, let my people go. And the response from Pharaoh uh, was predictable, He stubbornly refused. Simultaneously, the Bible says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And if I could just pause for a moment of theological reflection here. It introduces perhaps for the first time in the Bible that age-old debate between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. Uh, If God hardened Pharaoh's heart, how is Pharaoh personally responsible for disobeying? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that age-old debate. Sovereignty of God, the free will of man. Which is it, Pastor? I say, yes, it's both. <laughs> you, you find this theological tension in the scriptures right here, uh, even in uh, the book of Exodus.
1: Still ahead, the second half of today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org to share your request and our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer. Use the explore option at the top of the homepage and then scroll down to the how can we pray for you icon. While you're there, visit the Something Good Digital Library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. Once God miraculously delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, it was time to show them how to live in the promised land. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Exodus, freedom from slavery.
0: Uh, You know some of the story, God pummeled Egypt with a series of plagues, 10 of them in all uh, that included water turned into blood, frogs, lice, gnats, diseased livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness for three days, And then the biggest one, the 10th one, the killing of the firstborn sons of Egypt. The 10 plagues that fell upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt did so as a reminder that the God of Israel is greater than any of their phony gods. Don't mess with Yahweh. Don't mess with him. Uh, Concerning Moses, D.L. Moody famously said, and and keep in mind, Moses uh, lived to the age of 120 years of age, and so his life breaks down into three nice little segments. D.L. Moody uh, said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, uh, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. The writer of Hebrews best summarizes Moses' life of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. Listen to this, by faith Moses when he was born He left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. You know, when I read this summation of Moses' life in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm encouraged. Humanly speaking, Moses made a lot of mistakes, he killed a man, but from God's perspective, he walked by faith. He was a man of faith, and, and take some encouragement uh, with you with regard to that today. Uh, can we say more about the actions the Lord took on behalf of the enslaved Hebrews, the people he called his chosen people? Well, the writer of Hebrews already alludes to the Red Sea and how the Lord turned the Red Sea into an escape route from the angry Egyptians. Later God made Israel uh, drink from, uh, uh, well he turned bitter water into sweet drink in chapter 15. He fed the Israelites from that bread from heaven. Do you remember the manna? That story's in the book of Exodus. He made water flow from a rock in the desert. That story is in the book of Exodus chapter 17. And, and then uh, he defeated the Amalekites on behalf of the Israelites. And all of that and more is uh, recorded in these first 18 chapters. Uh, The mighty, mighty exodus, freedom from slavery. Don't miss just how how huge of an event historically it is for the Hebrew people, but, but how it is a grand, grand picture of our salvation, and that'll come more clearly into focus as we, as we move on. Chapters 19 through 24, the theme is freedom to live right. And by chapter 19, now the, the people of Israel, three months out of Egypt, they've come to the base of Mount Sinai, to the wilderness of Sinai. From freedom to slavery um, now meant that they can enjoy the freedom to live right. As God began to give them his law, and to establish um, uh, the terms of the covenant relationship that they would would live in. If you think that the 10 plagues are dramatic enough, (laughs) you come to chapter 19 and to the base of Mount Sinai, and God descends upon the mountain in great glory and power with claps of thunder, flashes of lightning, fire, smoke. I mean, it is a, a dramatic scene. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19 now and pick it up in verse 16. It says, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. What a dramatic scene. Uh, another reminder that the God of the Bible has a, has a flair for the dramatic, doesn't he? The Old Testament law established the responsibilities laid upon Israel by the covenant God made with her. These are the details of the covenant. And the chosen people of God, the children of Israel, were to keep the commandments that God had given to them, all 10 of them, plus uh, the detailed civil ordinances that followed in chapters 21 to 24. And it gets pretty detailed there.
1: freedom from slavery, freedom to live rightly before God, freedom to worship God. These are the major themes of the book of Exodus and a beautiful illustration of what it means for each of us to come out of the darkness of sin and into the light of salvation. You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Exodus, Freedom from Slavery, is part of Ron's series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Look for it under the library tab at somethinggoodradio.org. Hello, friend. I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio.
0: All scripture is profitable for teaching and reproof. But let's face it, God gave us a lot of Scripture. 66 books and more than 600,000 words, and it can sometimes be a little overwhelming to read. That's why I wrote my new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, to help you navigate your way through the highways and byways of God's Word and see how it all fits together so brilliantly, how every path, every passage, and every page points to Jesus, who is the Christ. The book comes in two volumes, Volume one covers the 39 books of the Old Testament, while volume two takes you through each of the 27 New Testament books. Both are now available to order, and I'd love to send them to you today.
1: Here's Brian with details. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, volume one and two can be yours today by request for your gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of something good. When you order the print versions, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The online library includes electronic versions of the book, plus video sermons, audio messages, and downloadable sermon notes on all 66 books of the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to request the two-volume set and to gain immediate access to the Route 66 Digital Library. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Pastor Ron, there are so many good books published every year. Why should someone buy the ultimate road trip through the Bible? And who did you have in mind when you wrote these literary travel guides through the Old and New Testaments? You know, Brian, your questions make me think of the words of wise Solomon in
0: Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12. Of the making of many books, he writes, there is no end. And oh, how true that is. For what it's worth, as a Bible-teaching pastor for more than 30 years, the ultimate road trip through the Bible is my way of helping people understand the overall story of Scripture and how all 66 books of the Bible fit together into a unified work of the Holy Spirit. I wrote with all kinds of people in mind, starting with the serious Bible student, even those who teach the Bible, I'm thinking of pastors, Sunday school teachers, and small group Bible study leaders who might use these two volumes in their preparation. But I also wrote for the person who is just getting acquainted with the Bible, which we all know is the best-selling book of all time. Brian, you can read The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible from beginning to end like any other book, or place it in your Bible study toolbox. I know that if you're a lifelong learner of God's Word as I am, you will return to the ultimate road trip through the Bible repeatedly. As companions to your personal Bible study, these books will always help you see the big picture before you dive into
1: the details of any book of the Bible. That's why I'll be ordering my own copy, Pastor Ron. We're so glad you decided to share this important book with us. And you can get your copy today by going to somethinggoodradio.org. Both volumes of this great resource are yours for a gift of $50 or more to support the ministry of Something Good. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. It is a
0: picture of Jesus Christ. It's also a reminder of just how much God wants to have a personal relationship with us. The extent to which he will go after the fall in Genesis chapter three to re-engage and to reconcile sinful man to himself. He said in no uncertain ways, you come to me on my terms, but I want to have a relationship with you. And this is part of his grand redemption story that picks up steam here in the book of Exodus. There's freedom from slavery,
1: freedom to live right, freedom to worship God. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Exodus, Freedom From Slavery. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.